A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Nicole Hannah Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. Hi, I'm Imri and welcome back to the Wannabe Podcast, the podcast that takes you high achievers from where you are to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you guys so much for joining me again on this very special episode. On today's episode, I'm back with Emily Wapnick. And if you haven't checked out part one with Emily, here's a super quick overview of who she is and why I'm giddy about her being on this podcast. Emily is a writer, community builder, and published author. She coined the phrase multi-potentialite in her viral TEDx end talk called Why Some of Us Don't Have One True Calling. The talk landed on the front page of TED.com and has over 4.6 million views to date. Emily is the founder of PuttyLike.com, which is described as the home of multi-potentialites. She's also the author of the incredible book, How to Be Everything, a guide for those that still don't know who they want to be. In today's episode, we talk about how Emily prepared for her viral TED talk, how she secured a book deal, and how she came to the realization and acceptance that she didn't have one true calling. The key takeaways for you guys in this is how you can secure and prepare for a TED talk, the basics you need for a book proposal and to hook a book agent, how to get comfortable with changing your career or profession, and understanding and accepting what it means to be a multi-potentialite. It's an incredible value-packed episode, so enjoy. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? So I'm not sure who I want. I think I, I wanted to do something meaningful and I wanted to do something creative. And I didn't really know the specifics of that. Fair um, enough. Yeah. I knew that was going to be a tough question for you just because it's actually a tough question for a lot of people. And so everyone's like, I have no idea. I didn't really want to be any one thing or one person. Um, I wanted to be loads of things. Being creative and being impactful, like, what does that look like? Do you think you fulfilled that now? Um, I think, I think so. Um, but it's always changing. And I think this is also a multi-potentialite thing, or at least we maybe experience it more where like, for me, every few years, if I've been doing the same thing for a while, I kind of I need to switch it up and do something new um, or add to what I'm doing. And thankfully, the work that I that I found that I've created um, allows me to do many different things. So, you know, for a while I was doing coaching, which I'm actually just coming back around and doing a little bit of that now. Um, and then I, I started I, I've done a lot of blogging and I wrote a book and I you know did some speaking and did a TED talk and, um, did a retreat. So it's, it's just like afforded me a lot of opportunities to try out different media and, um, to kind of write about and focus on different topics, like within this umbrella of multi-potentiality. Yeah. I 
podcasts, so relate. Um, I'm currently, um, so I run a podcast network, which is what this podcast is housed under. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was actually just like a casual marketer before that. I was working in recruitment and HR. And then I actually before that, I was a behavioral scientist studying monkeys and then I became a marketer and now I run a podcast network. So (laughs) how does like being a multi potentialite who wants to kind of build a legacy for themselves, like where does that fall in that paradigm? Yeah. um, So I've thought about this a little bit, too, because I. I can't see myself doing what I'm doing now in 10 years. Like I, I, that sounds horrible to me, (laughs) but I would, I would like putty like to live on. I would like the putty tribe, which is our, our community to keep thriving and for people to continue to get the, the help and support that they need. So, um, I think it comes down to kind of building something that can live and breathe and grow without you or, um, you know, you can be involved a little bit or as much as you want to be involved. So I've got a team and I'm kind of slowly, you know, giving them more responsibilities and growing the team and growing the community as we go. And I definitely have it in my mind that, you know, a few years down the line, I'd like to be able to step away as, as much as I would like to at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, and then there's like a lot of multi-potentialites don't have one business that they run or probably most don't have that um, and do a variety of work in different fields and maybe have a bunch of different projects. Um, So some people will have like a kind of cohesive brand or like some sort of like umbrella thing or even if it's like a website with just like their name.com and then they've got a bunch of different projects housed under it so that it's not about one project it's about kind of the, the body of work that you're creating yeah over time yeah no that makes total sense and you're so right that um actually the you do have the power and the ability to step away at some point and that you can grow something to a great point um and loads of companies that have been around for ages have had several ceos um mm-hmm. lead the reins um and you just hope that you've instilled enough um, of the core values so that it doesn't completely change from what you intended it to create. So, um, what I wanted to ask was now that you're building the team and, um, and, and kind of creating an infrastructure for Putty Like, which is a great, uh, website for anyone listening, definitely check out Putty Like. It's got loads of articles and I did put it in my long reads guide because there's some really great long reads on there. Um, (laughs) you're welcome. Um, but, how how are you relinquishing that control are you not a control freak or do you not have like any of your ego tied into it at all like how do you manage that um well it's been a few years now um that I've kind of been bringing people onto the team and um there are certain areas that I'm I, I want to have more control over than others mm. and certain areas where I just like either have no interest in doing that or no, or, or my <laughs> skill level isn't very high. So like, um, Joel is kind of my right hand man. He's our community. What's his official title? He's like the connections and operations officer. So, so sort of like right. a COO, but with different actual words, um, <laughs> in the community. And, um, he, is really good at like managing the team. He's really good at um, systems and documentation. So he like everything that our team does, he puts in this big procedural document. I would never 
ever want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he's, he loves spreadsheets, you know, and he's just like, he's good at a lot of the things that I am either not good at or don't enjoy. Um, So I'm happy to let him take over on that stuff and do that stuff. Occasionally his, his role kind of butts up against like design. And that's where I like to have, like, I, I care a lot about kind of the, the look and feel of the site and the branding. And so I'll sometimes step in there yeah, um, and be like, and, and he's cool with that. Cause he's like full on, like, I'm not a design person, please like take over. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, if we ever do bring on a designer, I'll just need to make sure that it's someone who, who gets it. And someone that I can trust to kind of, you know, yeah. move forward and retain the same spirit of, of the of the community. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, it's been a little bit of a, a learning thing. At first it was at first it was scary to relinquish any control, but now it's great. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, I love not having to do everything myself. And I get to just like focus on the important stuff and the stuff that I want to do. So when I was writing my book, I didn't have a ton of time to go into the community and welcome new members and lead a bunch of events. And I had a team that were kind of taking care of most of that. So that was really nice. And um, it's like that whenever I get like a big speaking engagement or, you know. Yes. No, that sounds it sounds like you've got like delegation down to a fine art. Um, yeah, just the I, right I, amount know, of ego in it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think it's also about like finding people that you trust and everyone on our team are people that I kind of picked from the community. Like they were already in the putty tribe. They were already active and really helping other community members and um, volunteering their time. And I was just like, oh, this person would be perfect. So I'm going to ask them if they're interested and go from there. That's a really great hiring tip. I, my next question was going to be, how do you pick the people? But then you answered it, so it's fine. Um, I want to find out a little bit about how you ended up growing the tribe in Putty Like. So Putty Like, the blog, began in 2010. And then we launched the Putty Tribe in 2012. Um, and the Putty Tribe is just, it's like, a, it's like a membership site for people who want more support. There's about... 500 multi-potentialites in there from around the world. So, um, you know, we've got an active forum and we've got events and um, huddles, we call them. It's just kind of like a group brainstorm where you can bring a project you're working on and get some feedback or advice or, you know, talk about whatever issues are coming up. Um, and we've got mixers and workshops and lots of fun things in there. Um, oh, so, funny. yeah, that started in 2012. And how did you attract people to it in the first place? Or was it just like a like-minded group that had already been following the blog? They just kind of transitioned happily over? Um, Yeah. So most of the people who find the Putty Tribe now find it through Putty-like, probably through, you know, interviews like this or my TED Talk. But initially, um, I put out a call, I put out a blog post and I was like, I'm starting this community and um, I'm looking for some like pioneer putty peep. And um, <laughs> I pretty much I, I had people apply with like, I think I just had them post a comment. Um, I forget what I asked them about. But um, and then I picked like nine of them because I was using Google Hangouts at the time and you can only fit 10 people in a Google Hangout. So I was like, OK, you get a free membership to the site I'm building. But in exchange, 
you have to come to a huddle and you have to start two discussions in the forum, one introducing yourself and one about a project or business or you know, something that you're working on that you're going to talk about in this huddle. So I did that, um, I think maybe four times and brought in a small group um, who, and then they just kind of kept chatting. And then I launched the site, um, you know, publicly. Uh, and I just wanted to create, I, I didn't want it to feel like a ghost town. You know, I wanted to feel like there are already people in here who are having conversations and it's already an active community. So, so that was my strategy for kind of getting it off the ground. No, that's a really great strategy. Um, I love that you put a call out and then people kind of responded and then you kept it really small and exclusive. And Mm -hmm. I'm like such a massive fan of creating like really small, tiny communities and then letting them kind of grow organically. I just realized that in this whole conversation, we never explained what a multi-potentialite was (laughs) for people that may have never, ever heard this word before. So could you just give a breakdown of what it means to be a multi-potentialite for those that may not be familiar? Sure. Uh, a multi-potentialite is someone with many interests and creative pursuits. So it, it basically means that you're curious about a number of unrelated subjects. And maybe you don't feel like you have like that one true calling because there's like a lot of things that you're interested in, that you're good at, that you enjoy. Perfect. Like a really great elevator pitch. Nailed it. The multi-potentialite model has been applied to anything else in life besides your career like have you seen it applied to people's relationships or (laughs) health or is it just as as you see it it's kind of just about your your career and and what you're doing in life professionally I think it's definitely broader than just your professional life um you know I mean also like a lot of people will have will actually have one kind of narrow job and then a bunch of amazing hobbies and personal mm-hmm. projects. And they're no less multi-potentialites than those of us who do many things for work. Um, but yeah, I think that multi-potentialites are just curious and that can spill over into a lot of different areas. Um, and some people do ask me specifically about the relationship thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> You know, I I kind of put this out to the community a while back. I published a blog post and I was like, what do you guys think? And some people are totally like, yeah, I'm polyamorous, blah, blah, blah. But most people were like, I have no problem kind of being in a committed relationship. And actually, it's really nice having like that kind of rock, like that that thing that I can go back to since I have all of these different projects, you know, having that stability. And also like... One of the things I have found in my relationship <laughs> um, is, the, and like in my life, is that people aren't one thing. So, yeah. you know, your partner is going to change over time as well and have, I mean, if they're a multi-potentialite, they might have lots of interests too. So it doesn't really get boring in the same way that like doing one job forever, I think might. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I was always curious. I was just curious. Like. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. So what I loved about your TED talk is um, 
how relatable and personable you were as a speaker. Uh, but also that feeling of I start something and then I get bored and then I let it go. And like it kind of you repeated it just one too many times. I was just like, oh, gosh, this is so me. Um, but then you kind of are so reassuring. It's like there's nothing wrong with you. And um, I'm I'm wondering what kind of got you to a point where you realize like this is who you are. And instead of seeing it as something that's not right, how did you then go from, no, this is this is me and I can't be the only person? Yeah. Um, so for most of my life, I s- kind of saw this quality uh, as a bad thing. I was like, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I stick with something? Um, you know, am I ever going to find my like one true calling that that thing we're all supposed to have? Yeah. And so I was kind of mulling this over as I was approaching graduation and I decided to take um, an online course all about, you know, business and starting a business and whatever. And, um, the (laughs) second module was supposed to help you come up with your idea. And it was like, it was was like about finding your niche. Um, so I started started, like making all of these lists of different things I was interested in. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, graphic design, but I don't just want to like blog about graphic design or do graphic design all day long. That's you know, and then I'd find another one and I'd be like, Oh yeah. And, but I don't want to do that all the time. Um, and so I was really like racking my brain and having kind of this existential crisis where I was like, this is a problem that I've had my whole life. And that's how putty like started. I just, I started blogging about these ideas and kind of looking for other people who were either kind of struggling like me or had seemingly figured things out. Yeah. So, uh, So because this podcast is set out to help people get to where they want to be, whether that is having multiple titles or kind of specializing or just kind of developing a project that they're really interested in right now. um, I wanted to ask you about one of the many times that you've wanted to quit um, or have quit. And do you use quit in your vocabulary if actually you see it as something that's kind of part of the natural path? Yeah, I mean, I use the word, I use the word quit. I just don't think it has as negative a connotation as it as most people probably think it has. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I think that multipotentialites really define quitting differently. Um, specialists kind of like you know, or or like they define finishing differently, shall we say. Um, so like a specialist is finished when they kind of reach some sort of external endpoint, like they get the degree or they retire or whatever it is. Um, a multi-potentialite is finished when they got what they came for. And that's, um, that's, those are Barbara Sher's words. Um, and I think they're very true. Like, and what you came for can be very personal. Um, you know, it can be, like finishing a project it can be just like a sense of um I don't know like you reach a certain skill level like it it can be really personal so what looks like quitting to the outside world might just be like time to move on like a natural progression and um if you don't quit you might not move on to whatever that next thing is that's going to be incredible and you might not get to do the amazing work in the next field or whatever. So I uh, wanted to ask you quickly about the 
TED Talk. So it's it was TEDx Bend that you had the infamous talk. And I know yeah. you talked about in the book that, you know, you did this talk and then all of a sudden it's on like TED.com um, and just generating hundreds of thousands. But now it's on like 4.5 million, which is yeah incredible um by the way i i don't know if i'm ready mentally spiritually or emotionally for anyone to have that that many like eyeballs on me or anything that i do so um how did the ted talk come about and yeah how's it been since Mm -hmm. um yeah so i i pretty much you know, I was thinking like a few years into running putty, like I was like, how could I have the biggest impact? How could I get this message out to the world that it's okay to do and be many things? Um, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, it's actually a great thing. And I was thinking like, okay, like a TED talk and a book. <laughs> those oh, are those like, were like, I, you actually put that into I, the universe type thing. I, I did. I put that into the universe. So I am... Um, I reached out to someone on my team and I was like, Hey, I think I want to do a a TEDx talk next year. Could you put together like a spreadsheet of some local TEDx events? Um, And she came back to me with a spreadsheet and there was one in Bend, Oregon. um, And the deadline was for, for an application was just a few days from then. So I was like, all right, what the heck? I'm going to spend this weekend putting together an application and we'll see what happens. Um, so I did that. Uh, some TEDx events have open applications, which is really nice. Yeah. Others, they have to like kind of find you. I was like, this is a huge opportunity. If I do this well, it could have a really big impact. So I'm just going to like work my butt off and like memorize it to the point where every single word is like in my head. I really? Think, uh, I didn't even notice yeah. that. Like it seems so like <laughs> conversational and natural. <laughs> but you did like such a phenomenal job. And I guess ultimately all of that hard work of like practicing, not to say that no one else practices, but practicing and putting it out there and then kind of letting it kind of sit and resonate with who it's going to resonate with and who's going to get in contact, got in contact. And did the book deal come out of the TED talk or was that something that you were already kind of planning um, from before that? I mean, I know you said you put it out into the world, but had you already made the steps to create the book or... Did it kind of accelerate after the TED Talk? When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, both. Um, so I had already interviewed a bunch of people for the book that I knew I wanted to write. Mm-hmm. And I had a bunch of notes. And then I kind of sat on that for a while. Um, and after the Ted talk came out, I was like, I, 
I think I can kind of leverage this to get a book deal. Um, so <laughs> it's not like, <laughs> it's not like a publisher saw the Ted talk and, and got in touch with me. I actually, um, I have, I have a friend who's a novelist and she passed the Ted talk along to her agent who, um, was really interested and we were emailing a bit, but she didn't have room like on her roster for new clients. So she, when I had, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to put together a, a proper book proposal. And when that's done, can I send it to you? And if you think you can think of anyone who would be interested, you can pass it along. Um, and she was like, sure. So that's what happened. I, um, put together this book proposal in like the proper, proper format with a sample chapter and sent it to this agent and she passed it along to another agent who got in touch with me. Awesome. And, and then we started talking and kind of went from there. Um, but yeah, having the Ted talk helps because you know, they really care about like platform and mm -hmm. also like proof of concept. So I could be like, look, like, you know, 4 million people have watched this thing. Obviously there's like, a market for it it's resonating for people like you know so yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that makes perfect sense um I'm in the process of redeveloping a book proposal but I have had absolutely no idea what even goes into one of those um so yeah for anyone that is writing a book what is the kind of proper format just like a if, if there's a relatively quick breakdown of that oh geez uh, well so <laughs> I actually would recommend um Chris Gillibo published a book with his agent called, um, I think it's the, it's like the unconventional guide to publishing or something like that. You can probably find it on, um, unconventionalguides.com, I think is the site. Okay. And, um, it just goes through the different sections in a book proposal. Um, so that's what I use and he's got a few examples in there and then you can kind of Google stuff if you, you want more clarity on like different sections and people have blog posts out, but there's like a whole part at the beginning about, there's like an introduction and a part about, um, the audience and you have to like do a bit of market research and put in some stats and then like, there's a whole section about the author and then like a breakdown of the different chapters. There's like a bunch of different sections and, Oh man, yeah. Writing a book proposal is not the most fun thing in the world. <laughs> I have heard that. Um, yeah, yeah I, mine had most of those components, but they definitely were very um, brief. So I need to go back to the drawing board and really hammer that out. But also I don't think I have the patience to write a book right now. So there's that. Um, it doesn't look easy, but what I really enjoyed about How to Be Everything was that towards the end of the one, you had like examples and like worksheets well not worksheets but like exercises <laughs> for people to do throughout the book and I love books that have interactive elements because I'm easily um I'm easily bored by certain books um when they just kind of talk at me so um I love that there were examples within the book and kind of exercises that people could do but what I love the most was towards the end I think it's like chapter nine where you were giving some really detailed breakdowns of um kind of how to be more productive um and how and and I think you mentioned like different kind of methodologies so there was the three c's uh which mm -hmm. is Leo I cannot say that last name about her um that really resonated and you mentioned the Pomodoro technique which is been saving my life um for at least the last two to three years and what what made you include those because I, I guess 
I was like, this kind of seems a bit different from what I've been hearing, but it also, I kind of really loved it as well. Was that just something uh-huh. that you personally just felt passionate about including? Yeah, well, that whole chapter is kind of different from the rest of the book because it's like, instead of giving you a process that I'm going to guide you through, it's like, here's a bunch of tools, pick the ones that you'd like to try out and put together your own productivity system. Because I just feel like there isn't one approach that works for everyone, works for every multi-potentialite. You know, we obviously we have a lot of projects and we need to figure out how to how to prioritize and how to get stuff done and um, how to decide when to let something go and move on to something else. But, you know, we're all so different. Some people really like scheduling everything out and other people rebel against that much structure and just need need a more free free flowing uh, schedule. So I decided what I was going to do is kind of just throw out the like the best tools and techniques that have worked for me that I've seen work for work for other people and you can kind of pick and choose the ones that you want to try yeah um so yeah I love that chapter um I think I rewound it like three different times to just catch the <laughs> There's names a lot in there. and the books and I was like ah, I need to get this book and then I was on Amazon and I was like no I have no money <laughs> I can't buy all of these books but thank god for Kindle Unlimited which has mm-hmm. saved me um but yeah no I really enjoyed that chapter um and I was quite curious as to how it kind of just wound up because it it wasn't like a bad different it was just notably mm-hmm. different so I, I really yeah. enjoyed that um yeah and I'm also like I don't like telling <laughs> I don't like telling people what to do because I don't I don't like being told what to do and I don't <laughs> feel like there's one way you know and so it's even like even with the other chapters where I'm like there are these four work models like I don't want to tell you to choose just one so you can be a hybrid but here they are and like pick and choose and customize them um but to be like here is the productivity strategy that will work for you multi-potentialite just feels really false and unhelpful so definitely no it it's true um because I've tried Pomodoro and then I've tried I did what else did I I have tried the three C's but because I only recently finished the book I'm relatively new to trying to not do all of do all three at the same time which is really difficult so that might not work for me because I am notorious at just like breaking rules and not doing things the way I've been told to um so I think I might just stick with like Pomodoro for now um and then I'm going to read up about it and I'm trying to like break some really bad habits that I have already um so I'm really grateful for for, for that chapter existing so that I'm like ah, I can go to that reference point and just it's there it's available it's not cool. a, it's not super long and I like it so thank you for including that oh, all right thank you. thank you so much Emily like it's been so much fun and I'm so glad I got to speak to you how amazing was that I hope that you're feeling more motivated to follow your own paths now on a more practical note for the aspiring TED speakers among us the key things are to one apply two have a clear objective of what you want to achieve with your talk and three to always practice you can find out more about Emily by visiting her website puttylike.com that's p-u-t-t-y-l-i-k-e dot com you can follow her on twitter at Emily Wapnick that's e-m-i-l-i-e w-a-p-n-i-c-k Her book, How to Be Everything, is available for purchase on Amazon and Audible if you prefer audiobooks. 
Brand and marketing expert Priska Moyesa will be back to discuss executing your vision. To submit your branding or career questions, you can visit wannabepodcast.com and select Branding Clinic. You can also tweet us at wannabepodcast with your questions. Or if you're old school, you can send them to wb at shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. Let's get you guys to where you want to be. Go ahead and visit wannabepodcast.com and select Hire Me. If you are in need of marketing support, I have room for about one more client up until March. Thank you to the Shout Out Network for producing this amazing podcast. Thank you all again for listening and supporting. Thank you to everyone that has left a review so far. I'm very, very grateful. Be sure to follow Wannabe on Twitter and Instagram at wannabepodcast. And if you like what you've heard so far, please do remember to share these episodes with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. Thank you guys so much. Bye. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.